while you're standing up, go ahead and say hello to some folks around you. Greet them, tell them hi, try and find someone you've never seen before, and at least say hello, and we're glad you're here. Welcome to the Vine Community Church. Try and meet a few folks. Thank you so much, sweet Pam. We'll do it right at the end. That way everybody's focused and paying attention. Once you've had a chance to say hello to some of the folks around you, you can grab a seat. We'll uh, share some announcements together and get back into worship. Got a lot of fun stuff going on today. We're excited that you're here. A lot of stuff to do and share and be a part of his church, and so we are glad you're here. you got a lot of stuff in your seats this morning as well, too. We'll be going over all that stuff. There's a lot of things in there. But the first thing I want you to notice is that in your chair you got a prayer card and a guest card. So if you're here for the first time, we'd love just to know about it, love to hear about who you are, and love to know you are with us, and like to tell you about our church. So you can fill out the bottom part of that and leave it in your chair, um, or you can drop it in the offering box back there in the back of the room. We won't pass a plate this morning. We never do. We just ask you if you want to support our life and community ministry, you can do that. Um, or you can do it through our online community called Realm. Realm's how we share announcements, stay connected, uh, share all kinds of needs and things that are going on. If you're not on Realm, then you probably don't know about things that are happening today like potluck and other stuff. And so make sure you're plugged into Realm. All you got to do is put your email address in those little kiosks out there and we'll get you all signed up by the kids' checking area. But we'd love for you to fill that out. Let us know that you're here. If you have anything going on in your life that you want us to pray for, we take very seriously the opportunity to pray over those. And so on the bottom of that guest card is a prayer request card. Please fill it out. We love the opportunity just to pray with you um, and alongside you. So um, that's, that's the first thing. We'll go over some of the other stuff a little bit later on this morning. But we got a lot going on, a lot going on today, and we're excited that you're here. If you are here for the first time, we are blessed and honored that you would give us one of your Sunday mornings just to come and spend time with us. You picked a great day to be here. We are excited that you're here. We're having a potluck directly after church. Uh, if you didn't bring anything, it is not a big deal. We have tons of food, so stick around. Uh, we don't want you to be like have to sneak out or go grab a back to Teddy Graham's out of the backseat of the car or whatever. Like we got it covered. That's what the Fugits are doing. They're bringing some stuff from the back. So, um, but if you if you brought something great, if not, please stick around. We have tons of food. We'd love for you to be here and, and hang out. So that's happening directly after worship today, and so uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that. We have a lot going on as we're kind of wrapping, we're actually in the middle of November, already thinking about wrapping it up and heading into Advent. Uh, our normal schedule's kind of changing up a little bit now that the fall's coming to a close. Our women's Bible studies meeting for the last time tonight, uh, tomorrow night. Then they're going to take a two-week break, and then they're going to have a big, raging Christmas party on the 6th, and it gets pretty wild. And so you're going to want to be there. Uh, it's a big deal. But that'll be on the 6th up here. Um, at the church, but they'll meet one more time before Thanksgiving and the break, and so uh, we would love for you to be a part of that. If you've never come to our women's Bible study, you are welcome just to show up. They would love to have you. Kathy would love to have you, and so just come, meet the folks, and stick around for, uh, a couple weeks later for the party, and then they're going to take a big break and start back again in January, um, but that's going on uh, this week. All of our life groups are kind of meeting as normal, and then the schedules shift a little bit as we get into Thanksgiving week, um, and then Advent starts, and the next thing you know, we're at the beginning of Advent, which we're really excited about. 
A couple things we want to make you aware of um, that are coming up. On December 5th, we are having a new member class. So if you're interested at all about what life might look like as part of the Lion Community Church, what our heartbeat and philosophy is in terms of mission or theology or just who we are, you just want to get to know our story a little bit, directly after worship on the 5th, um, we will... Just have a short little class. We got pizza and hang out. Um, you don't have to do anything fancy. Just we'll have childcare available. And so if you're interested in that, signups will start next week for that. We'll also post it on Realm so you can reply there. But if you've been coming for a little while and you're interested, we'd love to have you get your questions answered. So that is happening on the 5th. On the 19th of December is our giant, we always do a big Christmas service with, it's kind of a journey of scripture and song. And as part of that expression, we have a big kids Christmas extravaganza that Jenny Kenworthy in her incredible glory orchestrates for us. And we need to know if your kids are going to be involved in it. And so there is a sign-up sheet at the kids' check-in area that Logan, our, our Vine Kids director, has made. And if your kids are around, elementary or below, we'd love for them to be a part of that. Uh, it's such a fun service and such a fun opportunity. And so we just need to know so they can divvy up the parts. And they're going to wrestle to see who gets to be Mary, you know, and the winner gets to uh, be her. And no, um, But we'd love for you to re- uh, be a part of that. Sign your kids up. Let them uh, be, have a part in that and who gets to do what. And so we're really excited about that. But that's on the 19th. So, but we're starting sign-ups now because they rehearse seven days a week, three hours a day. And so they need the time to put this in. Um, I'm just kidding. I think they hand them the costume the day of. But it's excellent anyway. Uh, let's see. Women's Bible study, new member class, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Christmas on the 19th. That sounds good enough. All right. So we are taking a break from where we've been. We have been in the book of Hebrews for 33 weeks with some breaks here and there and whatnot, but we are actually taking a pause on that for a little while. We're going to do a few weeks of something different uh, coming up, then we're going to step into Advent, and then we're already into the new year, and we'll finally pick up uh, Hebrews chapter 13. And of course, Carson uh, Rock at our elder meeting, uh, they was a, it's the most vine thing imaginable to finish all the way to the last chapter and then put it off for eight more weeks. He said that is, that is exactly what we do as a church. So he's right. We got all the way home and then put it on pause for 10 weeks, and we're going to pick it back up later. But we're getting into some things that are really exciting and really an important part of who we are as a church. And so each year about this time, we take a little break right at the end of December or November before Advent starts, and we just kind of reimagine who we are. We start asking the Lord, what do you have planned for us in 2020 or 2022 or beyond? We kind of look at ourselves and we say, are we the church that God's calling us to be? How has the past year been? We just examine those things a little bit. We tie it into our thoughts about resources and our thoughts about our heart and mission and all those kind of things. And it's, it's an important time for us to just kind of step back and go, are we the church that we deeply believe God is calling us to be? And we ask ourselves those questions, and as a team, we start dreaming and visioning for the future, and and that's kind of where we have landed. And so um, as part of that expression, we're rethinking how we love and serve our neighbors. And so Ron has been a big part of a story for us in terms of loving and serving the community around us. She's cooked meals and provided groceries for a lot of families in need. A lot of you have been part of food delivery uh, that we've been doing and engaging with her. And so I've invited her to come up and share a little bit about an opportunity over Thanksgiving that you can get involved with and help us deliver food um, and engage in who we are and who we're called to be as a church. So Ron is going to share a little bit of information about that and how we can get involved as part of our heartbeat of who we are. So as some of you know, sometimes I overextend myself just slightly. (laughs) So I have big plans for Thanksgiving Day and what we're going to do is weekly we serve 30 family or monthly we serve 30 families groceries and many of you have been part of coming by Westminster 
and picking up the groceries and delivering them to our families. Well, at Thanksgiving, these families will get a full meal on Thanksgiving morning. So we have 30 families, so we need people who are willing to come on Thanksgiving morning and help pack those meals in boxes and get them ready and deliver them to the families. So while that is going on, we are also preparing to serve 200 people at the right across from City Rescue Mission in the back parking lot of that McDonald's. So all the food will have to be loaded on trucks in warmers, transported to tents that have been set up by volunteers, and we plan to be ready to serve by 10.30 in the morning. The word is, is that we can serve 200 people in an hour, that they will come very quickly and very fast. We'll load the trucks back up, take everything back to Westminster, and we need people to help unload and clean up. We will also be cooking between the 21st and the 24th. So I have sheets here. I know that's a lot of information, but there are sheets here, and you can fill this out and leave that. You can either take a shot of it. Many of you have my phone number. I should have put it on here. You can either text me or just leave the sheet at the front desk, and I will come by and pick it up. Does anybody have any questions? I think it's going to be really great, and it's going to be a great opportunity to serve roughly about 400 people on Thanksgiving morning. So we'll also take a snapshot of this, and we'll post it on Realm. Um, so let me have one of these before you give them all away, because Trey's tracking you down is hard. So. Um, <laughs> Rhonda's also making brisket and chicken for our potluck today, so she's out of here. Um, so I don't know what you're doing on Thanksgiving, but uh, Rhonda's tied up, so if you want to help her out, actually, it's a great opportunity uh, to kind of get involved and just go, hey, we're not doing our family deal till three, uh, even if you can only maybe deliver some groceries or if you want to show up down there and, and help serve food, these are huge deals. Those forms will be out there. We'll also take a picture of it and put it on Realm, and you can get involved uh, that way. There's a, a lot of great opportunities. But that's part of who we are as a church, and we're asking ourselves during this time as we've taken this little break, God, who are you calling us to be? What does it look like? What does it look like to love our neighbors, to love each other well? What does it look like to share our hearts and do life together? And so for the next couple of weeks, that's really what we're going to be asking ourselves is, is, Lord, who are we and who are you calling us to be? Are we the church that you, have, you are leading and calling us to become? Are we stepping in and following you wherever you lead? Like we believe that you are the head of this church, and therefore, Lord, we will go where you are sending us. And so we're going to examine that process. And over the next couple of weeks, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at an idea that we've simply titled The Beauty of Life Together. And we're going to begin to explore what that might look like for, for us as a family to truly share our hearts and our lives and our resources as we engage in life that just says, God, we are, are in this thing together, and we love you, and we will go wherever you lead. So that's a heartbeat. A lot of announcements to get us to that place where today we get the opportunity to celebrate communion together, to share in the Lord's Supper, to break bread together as a family, and to just reimagine what it looks like for us to truly share our hearts. So let's take a moment, let's pray, and then we're going to dive into worship this morning and open God's Word. 
Lord, we are grateful for all the things that are going on in this church. It feels like a giant overcorrection for where we were last year when we could barely meet. And I just, I just love it. I love the idea that we can gather and be together and that we are called to have these intertwined and tangled and uh, complicated hearts that are all tied up in loving each other and loving our neighbor and just being involved in a gospel-centered mentality that just says we want the world to know Jesus. And so, Lord, we ask this morning that with everything going on, we just wouldn't miss the opportunity of worship right in front of us, the opportunity that the God of the universe has called us into relationship with himself. And he has, through the person of Jesus Christ, given us access, Lord, to holy, mighty, majestic God. And this morning, Lord, we come in here from all walks of life, all different backgrounds, struggles, hurts, failures, all these kind of things, and we just walk in here, and I know that you will meet each one of us right where we are, and that we will stand in your presence, the risen God, and we will worship you. Take a moment in your own heart and just ask the Lord to prepare you to worship this morning, whatever that might mean, whatever you need to let go of or turn loose of or just kind of let fall from your heart anxiety or fear or worry or just whatever it might be, just ask the Lord to prepare you to worship him. And take a moment and pray for that person beside you um, or in front of you or behind you. We do this each week. We want to be in the habit of praying for other people. Everything that unfolds here on Sunday morning is, is not about you be about praying for other people. Make it matter. Pray for them. Pray that God would move in them. Even if you don't know their name, just pray for them. Lord, you are the God of the universe. All things hold together because of who you are. And so, Lord, this morning you deserve our worship. And so, Lord, we pour out our hearts to you, the one true eternal king. And we ask this in the risen name of Jesus, our Savior and our Redeemer. Amen. Let's stand together and worship the Lord this morning.
you got elementary age kids, we'd love for them to be a part of our Vine Kids time. Uh, they can go right out the door following the Kenworthy two, three. So, well, there's five. Oh, there they both go. We're losing the adults too. There's five. There you go. There goes the church. See y'all later. No, we're, we're uh, welcome to go out those doors, be a part of that side. Uh, a lot going on this morning, uh, a lot going on. Austin came up during worship. He's like, hey, who's serving communion? I was like, that's just a great call, man. Uh, I've got my head in the game. So uh, it's just a lot happening, but it's so fun because I felt like for so long, as I've mentioned, we've, we've kind of been trying to ease back into life that we've normally done as a church. And so it feels really good at least being able to engage in the things that matter, uh, that matter, the things like spending time together and having potlucks and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's a bummer, man. We got one. She's on the loose. There she is. Hi, Mama. All good. Home free. Made it. They like it. Um, <laughs> so good. I just, I love having families and children in our, our space and worship together. It makes my heart happy. Um, but anyway, we, we're excited to re-engage in these things and have things like potlucks and just life together again and having our Christmas service and the kids pageant. And we had to do it during video last year. And so it's just better. And we're just excited. And so it's just a fun time to be church. And there's a lot going on. And we're really expectant and we're really hopeful. And that's why it makes it kind of fun when we take a little bit of a break and we kind of examine who we are. And, and we step back for just a moment as we've done over these past years during this time. And we say, God, who are you calling us to be? And what have we done in this past year? And where are you leading us going into the new year? And so, you know, a lot of times we've cast vision and we've put out vision points and done these kind of things for our dreams for 2022 and beyond or whatever that year was. And, and this year it's relatively simple for us. Like as we start thinking about it and praying about it as leaders and as a staff, we really start talking the, about the idea of those simple, beautiful things that we've sort of lost touch with over time. And so for the next few weeks, Brandon and I are going to be kind of exploring this small series that we're just calling The Beauty of Life Together. And the idea of what happens when we begin to share hearts and we begin to share things. Like truly, if we get back into that engagement of a, of a biblical church that says my heart and my life and my things, they belong to the Lord and therefore they belong to the community. And so I'm willing to get my heart and my life and my things tangled up in this sort of web of a mess because people matter to me because they matter to the Lord and we're, we want to be about the things that matter to God. And so as we do this, we begin to talk about these things. I express the same thing every year, which is I really desire that here at the Vine Community Church, we are a group of people that is, we are biblically generous, that we have biblically generous hearts that engage our, our minds and our lives and our resources, and that, that we're known for our generosity. That would be my deep, deep heart. And not that we're not generous, or, generous already, but I would love for that to be the hallmark of people that maybe they come here for the first time and they're like, look, I don't know much about this, these group of people or what they do, but they're just so generous with their hearts and their times and life, the way that they give their things away and the way that they open up their, their lives to the people that just walk in these doors. I want to be biblically generous and being biblically generous means that we give stuff away. And so during this time too, we also talk about the idea of our resources and what it means to contribute to the church and be a part of that and trust the Lord is doing great things and give our lives and our resources away to the things that matter to the Lord. And so I know if you're here for the first time, you're thinking, <clears throat> of course, amazing. This is it. We come for the first time, drive by this place, looks awesome. And that dude asks, us for money. And uh, we're not doing that. Actually, we don't get to pin to your checking account until after you go through the member class. So you're safe. Um, and then when you fill it out, you know, you give us your passcode and we just take what we want. And so, um, 
No, uh, we're actually really not talking about money at all. But we actually in the next two weeks we probably won't. But a part of this process is uh, because this is the time that we take pledge cards as a family, and and this is not for you as guests or first timers or whatever. This is just for our regular tenders and members. But these pledge cards help us dream about the future and help us set budget. And so what we do is we ask you to take them home and pray over them. And the next week everybody's going to bring them back. And what, as part of our offering and our worship, we'll offer them to the Lord. And and so put that in your Bible or in your pocket and take it home. And we'll talk a little bit more, and you'll see announcements on Realm. But that's for you to take home because it's going to help us in this process. Think about kind of who we are. Are we buying in as a church? Is this place our, our home? Are we putting our resources where our heart are? But we're not really talking about money. We're more talking about the idea of, do I give my life away? Do I truly give my heart and my things away to the Lord? Like they belong to him anyway. And why am I so guarded with him? What am I afraid of? What's the, am I afraid that God is going to take from me what's already his? And so we're going to begin to explore the idea of the beauty of a shared heart and the beauty of shared things and why those are so valuable in Scripture. Because I truly believe some of the things we got away from from the past two years, a year and a half really, is this idea of shared, deeply shared life, like sharing and entangling our hearts with other people. And over the past year and a half, we've embraced social isolation and social distancing that's moved us away from this biblical picture of people matter to me and I matter to them and we're together and I miss my people and I need my people to closed kind of cloistered areas of life of which we've become very comfortable. And so part of our dream for 2022 and beyond is that we break out of the shell of that comfortability and re-engage deeply with our hearts and the lives of people. And that's risky and it's hard and at times it's uncomfortable, but that at the end of the day is the gospel. It's risky, it's hard, it's uncomfortable, but it's God's call, deep call for us through the person of Jesus Christ. And so this morning we're going to look at the first portion of that idea, this idea of the beauty of shared life, and this idea of what does it look like to truly share your heart with other people. And we're going to look at a, a picture out of 1 Thessalonians where I feel like Paul has given us a blueprint for what truly engaging in shared hearts with other people looks like. And it's, it's truly something I long for my own life that I will tell you very honestly, I don't have. And so like most of the things that we preach about on Sunday morning or that I preach about, it's just expressions of things that God is teaching me that you just get to sit back and watch, and I hope he teaches you. And so um, that's kind of where we are. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to open to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be right in the middle, uh, verse six through thir- verses 6 through 13, I think, is where we're going to um, be this morning. <clears throat> yeah, the idea of a the beauty of shared life or beauty of shared hearts is where we're going to be this morning. And, and we're going to look at what Paul has to say about that. And then we'll go share our lives together and share some food and hang out. So let's pray together. Lord, I do thank you for the opportunity just to gather this morning with our family and just talk about the things that matter to you. Uh, the picture of community in Scripture is, is one that's vital. Uh, the picture of the new church, the New Testament church, is one that is a, a picture of shared hearts and lives. It's lives that are intertangled for lots of reasons, some out of necessity, some out of shared resources, some out of just longing to be together, some out of safety. But there was a deep desire to be connected and to care deeply for the people around you. And for a lot of us, Lord, the truth is, is in our Western understanding of church, church is really all about me. It's a... Um, sort of a serve me or provide for me or give me or a consumer-driven mentality of what the church should provide for its people. And it just wasn't the picture of what was unfolding 2,000 years ago. It was unfolding as this idea of the church is who we are. It's the ecclesia, the gathering. It's the, the intertwining of people. 
Um, not the offering of what the community could give to me, but instead what I could give to the community. And uh, when you do that, you begin to share hearts, and that gets really beautifully uncomfortable. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that as you teach us, as we look at this kind of picture in the text, that you would, you would just deeply convict us. Uh, I know that you've convicted me deeply and that that would be contagious, Lord, as we think about what it might mean to really share my heart. Share my heart with people that I, I may not see eye to eye on on every single thing. And share my heart with people who I may not fully, fully know, but who I'd be willing to know. And share my heart with people to where when I'm gone, when I'm absent, I miss them. I genuinely miss them. Take a moment in your own heart as you sit here and just ask the Lord to teach you this morning. Um, I'm not even sure what he needs to teach you or wants to teach you, but I pray that he would. And so just ask the Lord to teach your heart this morning as we sit here. Just whisper that in your, in your soul this morning. Lord, I want you to teach me through your word. And then as we do often, just, again, pray for the person around you. Just continue to be in the habit of praying for other people. We're actually going to talk a lot about that this morning. Just care enough to pray for them. Even if you're just brand stinking new here this morning, pray for the person you came with or the person in the red shirt. or Just, just try it. Just pray that God would move in them. Teach them. Struck them. Convict them. Whatever it is. Lord, we turn our entire morning over to you from our worship to your word to communion to our shared meal together. Just infuse this morning with your grace and your goodness. Uh, Lord, let us sit back for a few moments and just enjoy your presence and ask you to teach our hearts, to convict us to become the church you're calling us to be, but more so just to fall in love with what matters to you. And the truth is what matters to you are people. And uh, if they matter to you, they should matter to us. So, Lord, we ask these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior, and our Redeemer. Amen. So this week we're exploring this idea of shared life, or the beauty of shared life, through the lens of, of, of sharing our heart, which means really letting people into my space, uh, my, th- my sort of soul area, the part that makes up who I am. And next week we're going to look about sharing our things and our, our resources and our world and the things that matter to us. But before we even get there, we've got to be willing to open our hearts to a different place. Now, we talk a lot as a church about loving people, but I think what we're going to see in First Thessalonians is that Paul's definition of loving people and my definition of loving people are complete opposites. And what I think I'm doing is actually not the biblical picture of what it means to share hearts. But I want to. I want to deeply. And so let's take a look at it. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 3, 6 through 13, and then we'll kind of unpack a little bit together. <clears throat> but Timothy has just now come to us from you, from the Thessalonians. And he has brought good news about your faith and your love. And he's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us. And that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers, in all of our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may the God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. 
May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when the Lord Jesus comes again with his holy ones. <clears throat> now, we're kind of picking up in the middle of a letter here, but it's, it's a fascinating picture. Now, you've got to go all the way back to Acts 17 and realize that when Paul uh, kind of started the church in Thessalonica, he was run out pretty quickly. Uh, and chapter 17 of Acts tells us that he and Silas were run out of town by threat of persecution and death. And they went to Berea, then they went to Athens, and they went to Corinth, where Paul actually write, wrote this letter. So he's in Corinth, and he's writing back to the church in Thessalonica, and he's basically expressing to them how much he deeply loves them because Timothy has returned. Paul had sent Timothy back to Thessalonica to check in on him. Timothy has returned to Paul in Corinth, and he's given this incredible report. He's saying, they talk so fondly of you. They love you. They miss you. And Paul's like, that's how I feel about them. And so he writes in this letter just basically saying, I'm overjoyed to hear that things are going well, that you're thriving, and, and we saw that sort of picture. But there's this incredible thing here that's happening if you really listen to those words that you can't miss. It's like this real, deep, authentically dripping picture of mutual love and longing. And outside of my immediate family, Meredith Haley Cooper and maybe some other family members sprinkled in there, I don't know that I've ever really loved anyone like that. And I'm being really honest. In a moment of true honesty, listen to Paul's words. Now I am really living. I'm fully alive. I can't wait to go back to you to make that way clear. I want to return. Like, I long for you. He uses these words that don't typically come up in my vernacular. Unless I'm away from my family or doing whatever. And I think for a lot of us, we live in that place. We have a certain select group of people that are close to us, most likely our immediate family that we love and we long for, we miss when we're gone. But outside of that, this description that Paul has, this idea of sharing life escapes most of us. We don't really live there, um, typically. And I'll, I'll tell you why in just a moment. But it's almost like this longing, the only thing I can kind of compare it to that I feel like Paul has is the idea, if you've ever had someone in your family that's been on a military deployment, whether it was a, a husband or a wife or a child, it's this sort of mutual thing where you can't wait to be reunited because, honestly, you know what's at stake. And what's at stake is more than a two-week vacation. What's at stake is real life and that this could be risky. And therefore, your hearts long to be together because you love them so much, and yet you're just not sure what tomorrow holds. And I feel like that's the sense that Paul has for this church in Thessalonica, but the, the people aren't his children. He's not their father, per se, yet he has the same longing that a parent would have for a son or a daughter who's deployed, this longing, this deep, deep longing. So I started asking myself, why is that and how do we get there? Because this is the picture that we actually see in Scripture. And I think Paul lays out a, a, some truths here that are really important that we're called to find beauty in, to find real life in, that most of us don't want to mess with. Um, because we treat church, honestly, as little more than a restaurant of sorts. And that's just how a lot of us approach it. We, we go to our favorite restaurant, right? We know which one it is. We know how things are going to go. We know how to get there. When we do, the people are nice to us because we go often once a week or whatever. We know what the menu looks like. We know what we enjoy. And we can order whatever we want to off the menu based on what we feel like that day. Right? We can go, I know what that, that's going to taste like. I've had that multiple times before. I'm going to get it. 
Um, If we're feeling really adventurous, we maybe invite another couple to come with us. Or we tip a little extra, get a little generous when somebody stands up and tells us about a need. We leave a few extra dollars for our waiter who we actually know and has been really kind to us. And maybe once a month or so when we're there, the owner uh, or the, uh, the manager comes over and he shakes our hands. and Or she shakes our hands and says, hey, we're really glad you're here. And you say, hey, service was great. And they're like, hey, well, we appreciate it. Come back. And you're like, oh, yeah, for sure we will. And then you get in the car on your way home and you look at your husband and your wife. You're like, I, I really like that place. And they're like, yeah, me too. We're like, we should go back next Saturday. And you're like, yeah, for sure. And for most of us, that is church. Like literally in a nutshell, we're comfortable. It's our favorite. We know what we can order. doesn't risk too much. Say hi to a few folks. Shake a few hands. Maybe you know, tell the guy that's up there more often, hey, we're glad you came, and he says, we're glad you came. Everybody hopes you just come back. That's the picture, right? And nothing changes. We're not very risky, and we don't have to be. But that is not what I see unfolding in those passages. It's not actually what I see unfolding in Scripture about the church at all. There's actually a few things in there that are really telling. And the first is that I think we're called to find beauty in the longing. And that word is a really interesting word to me because it's like this deep sense of desire to be with. And Paul puts it this way. He says, Timothy has come back and he has told us and he's brought good news about you, about your faith and your love. And you have pleasant memories for us and that you long to see us as we long to see you. I don't know what your picture of of community or church is, but... When you're gone for a week or two or you take a vacation or let's go back to 2020, right? When we took six months off, right? Did your heart long to return to the people of God, your people? Or did you see it as a nice break? More and more people I talked to, including myself, saw those first weeks as nice breaks. And then we began to develop a habit of just kind of what unfolded or we just would like to return, but I Very few of us, I think, would ever describe that desire as longing. Like, that's sort of part of our heart that can't wait to return to my people. But you get the sense that that's what Paul and Timothy are talking about. Timothy comes back and he says, you're not going to believe it. They're doing amazing. And they they remember you and they remember you well and they want to see you again. And Paul says, I want to see them again. And all they can think about is the idea that they want to be back together. Not to perform some kind of duties or to have a service or maybe to go on a mission. It's more like, I just want to hug these people. And you get the sense that when Paul rolls back into Thessalonica, it's going to be this incredible sort of monumental thing where they just hug each other. And it's those hugs that sort of last for a while, right? Some of you haven't seen in a long, long, long time and you finally get to engage with again and your heart just feels on some level full. And for most of us, Those are very rare experiences, and they're certainly not the experience we have with church. And there's a lot of reasons for that, which we'll get into in just a second. But the reality is is that there's beauty in this idea that you care so much for somebody else that you long to see them. That it's just been a while, and your heart just wants to see them again, or see their smile, or their children, or just engage with them, or just say, man, I I have missed you. But for most of us, church is not that exchange of heart place. It's more like, I probably need to go back to hear what happens in Hebrews 12, right? Trebs preached on that. I can tell you what happens. Read it. All I preach through is what's already there. Like, if you're coming to hear that, just open the Bible yourself. It's literally there. 
But what if we were drawn to come and just be with our people? Like to be known and to know enough to where the drawing of being here was not in what's here to entertain me or, to, or the worship or just the idea that I've got to be given something, but instead that my heart gets to be full and gets to be around people and I long for it. And I truthfully long for very few things like Paul longs for the Thessalonians. That's sad. But I think there's beauty there and I want that. I want to be cult, cultivate that part of our community that just says, I want to be with my people. Like, these are my people. They're not perfect. They're kind of a mess, right? They're not all great. They're not all wonderful. They're a hodgepodge of brokenness and frustrations and fun and joy and tears all rolled into one. But when I'm not with them, I miss them. That's how well we're known. And not just some consumer mentality, sit in the back and get a few things from the sermon and tell my wife on the way home, I I like this place. Like, it's not bad. We should come back. But to say, we mixed our life up with these people. What would it look like? Like, do they miss me when I'm gone? Do I miss them when I'm gone? If I'm gone for three weeks, is there a part of me that feels empty? That's what the beauty of the longing is. We were so ingrained with the community, then when we're absent from it, our hearts want to return to it. But sadly for most of us, the truth is, is that here's what our thinking is. Kind of like during the pandemic, oh, the dining room of my restaurant closed. That's all right. I'll just Uber eat and get it here anyway. I can still have my fill. We looked at church the same way. We said, I'll just catch it online. As if the goal is somehow what you have to just give me. You can't replace people with online anything. And you can't replace the experience of sitting and being with people and sharing food across a table with Uber Eats. It's the same concept. But there's beauty in the longing. And so Paul says, my heart longs for you. But then there's also this next step, he says, where that longing actually turns into something else. There's this finding this beauty in the spiritual well-being of others. We've talked about this two weeks ago, and here it is again. So maybe the Lord's trying to tell us something. But listen to how Paul describes his joy when he begins to hear about the Thessalonians. Verse 7, therefore, brothers, In all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live, since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you and return the joy uh, you have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we are encouraged And now we really live because you're standing firm in the Lord. So Paul's not sitting around in Corinth eating bonbons. Like, he is facing real distress and persecution. you got to remember, Paul's life was one that is one constant threat of death. That's why he had to flee in the first place, Thessalonica. It's no safer in Corinth. There are groups of people that want Paul and his followers dead, and Paul's facing persecution and distress. And he says, in all my persecution and distress and all that is going on, I have found something in this report that has come back to me from Timothy that has overjoyed me to a place that I can use the words, now we really live. Why? Because he heard that they were doing well. Paul's not fully alive because Timothy brought a report back and said, hey, all the persecution's gone, Paul. All the struggles are gone. We're going to be able to be free to cruise around the countryside wherever we want to and talk about Jesus. He didn't give any report like that. All he came back and said was the Thessalonian brothers and sisters are doing well. They're growing. And Paul says, in spite of everything else I'm sitting in, all the struggles that I have, 
I'm now really living. Paul's focus entirely was on their well-being. And the first thing that ran through his mind was, we want to get back to help your faith increase where it's lacking. So Paul's so excited that they're growing spiritually that the one thing he thinks about is, how do I get back to help you grow even more? In spite of all the distress and struggle that I'm having, I care so deeply about the spiritual lives of the people that matter to me the most that it brings me to a place where I can say, now I truly live. A couple weeks ago, we talked about this a little bit, about how much do we really care about the spiritual lives of the people around us? We barely know people, right? We talk about the ideas of not really knowing each other's hearts and how social media propagates this disaster of false knowledge. But it's still true, right? Like, Paul knew them and loved them so much that the slightest movement of growth in their spiritual life stirred his heart to life. Like when you think about the people that you care about, like even in this room or even in your family, like does it stir you when they succeed? Do you know them well enough to know that if, if they start walking with the Lord or doing well or coming out of a, of a deeply struggling part or point in their life, do you, do you find your heart overjoyed and I've been, I venture to say a lot of us probably would say yes, but the truth is if it doesn't affect us, most of us don't pay attention to it. We just don't. I mean, if it doesn't have a direct impact to me, that's like great. But I mean, like, we tell people we'll pray for them all the time and never do. We tell people those things matter to us, but they really don't. What matters to me is what affects me. And I am happy for you, don't get me wrong, but I'm still stuck in my own persecution and despair, and that's what I really I'm focused on. And that's the way most of us are, is like, Yes, I'm glad that's happening for you, but why is this still happening to me? And that's what we go to the Lord with. We look around us and other things are happening with other people and they're doing well, but I'm still focused on the idea that my life is really hard and we're struggling and our marriage is rough and our financial world is not happening the way I want it to. So yeah, I'm glad things are going well for you, but what about me? Why do I keep struggling and having all these other people that are, things are going well and okay, fine, I'm happy, but still this is crummy place to be because our attention and our joy in our life is typically wrapped up in ourselves. For whatever reason, in that moment, Paul was able to say this. I don't care the struggles I have. I'm fully alive when you're doing well. Man, outside of my kids, maybe, my wife, I don't know that I've ever cared that much about somebody else. And that is so stinking sad. Because I'm usually wrapped up in how this affects me. I, I celebrate you, but really... I just want relief in my own life. And I think most of us live in that place. But I think there's beauty in the idea of caring so deeply about the spiritual well-being of others that your life comes to full joy when they're thriving. And when they're broken, your heart breaks. Like, what if that was the real picture of the church? I don't think we understand how revolutionary this would be in changing the community and honestly changing the world if we cared about other people that much. That when my people hurt, I hurt. When my people thrived, I thrived. Like I was overjoyed when someone's child came to know the Lord, so much so that it relieved my own tensions and burdens in my own life. Like I was able to forget about them because I was so excited and celebrating with other people. That I don't care that I'm struggling financially when somebody else has a great blessing or whatever. Like I'm all in for them. And it brings me great, great joy. Enough to say, I'm really living now. That's how much you matter to me. That's basically what Paul is saying. Love it. 
So there's this idea of beauty and this longing, this beauty and this caring for the well-being of others. But then the one that really gets me, the shorty but a goody that comes in that next verse is really powerful to me. He says this in verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way to come for us to come to you. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. So do you remember what it is that's keeping Paul from going back to Thessalonica? I'll help you. It's death. It's true. That's the one thing that's keeping him returning to Thessalonica, dying. Because that's why he got ran out in the first place. He and Silas run clean out, ran out to Berea because they were threatened of death. And the brothers and sisters there made them leave. Paul actually tried to stay in chapter 17 of Acts. But they forced them out, made them leave to save their lives. And the only thing that's kept Paul from going back to be with them is the idea that he may. And whoever traveled with him may die. That's what kept him from returning. Now when you're take a break from church or you're on a few Sundays off or whatever, you're kind of out of habit of going, what keeps you from coming back? A little bit of an apology for a Jesus juke guilt trip here. But I will tell you this, is it sailing across an ocean on a crappy ship made of wood and canvas, threatened of shipwrecks and death? Probably not. Is it the fact that when you get out at 37th and Western, the neighbors hate you so much in everything that you stand for that they're going to pick up rocks from the front yard under the orders of the city council and literally kill you right here in the parking lot? Probably not. Most likely what it is that keeps you from coming back is convenience. Convenience. And yet what's keeping Paul from returning is death. And here's what Paul prays. May the Lord God our Father and Jesus himself clear away. What if that was the longing of our heart when we were gone, when we missed, when things were broken down during the pandemic, or even when your schedule is just a mess and you're working and your prayer life is just saying, God, clear away for me to get back to my people. Like, I can't wait to return. I, I love them so much. My longing is so deep for them. My care and for their spiritual well-being is so strong that my prayer life is actually God clear away. Clear away in my schedule. Clear away in our time. Clear away in our whatever's going on to help me return to my people. Because no matter what, I know it's not death that's keeping me from them. It's most likely my convenience or sometimes my work, or sometimes our family, and that's true, and those things aren't terrible, but our prayers should be God make a way. If people really matter that much, if sharing our hearts really matter that much, then our prayers literally should be driven towards the idea of God clear a path for us to return. And we've talked to so many people over the past year as this pandemic's lifted that are just simply out of the habit I we're meaning, and this is so funny because whenever I bump into people, no matter where it is, Target, it doesn't matter, wherever I hang out, I guess I hang out at Target, but <laughs> wife does. She loves it there. She has a little, they have an aisle just for her. Um, but when we see people out and about, right, the very first thing, this happens all the time, and so I'm just going to make some of you uncomfortable. The first thing that you do is you're like, oh, Trev, it's so good to see you. Hey, listen, we're trying to get back, man. Like, that's my question, right? Like, hey, where you been? And you're like, Ah, we've been busy, man. There's other things going on. My aunt's got foot shoe cancer, and uh, we had a deal happening downtown with Mr. Papa Giorgio or whatever. Like, all these excuses. 
I don't care. Like, I miss you, but, like, that's not what we're leading with. Like, I got to return to church. Well, the reason that's kind of tongue-in-cheek about what keeps you from here is because it's not about church attendance. That's not what Paul's talking about at all. It's not at all. You don't owe me an explanation for why you haven't been to church. That's not really what he's talking about. He's not clearing a path to try and make sure that he makes his 55-minute worship attendance. He wants to clear a path because he wants to hug those people. He wants to see their children. He wants to look into their eyes and their faces because he loves them so much. He just wants to be with them. The first thing they do is not organize some 55-minute, three-song sermon set. It's not a church attendance issue. Never has been. The church was never built on that. My goal is not that you return here every Sunday and get a gold star. We keep a little binder in the back and we know who's here. We keep gold stars. We know who's not. No, we don't. We don't have anything like that. But our goal simply is that you want to clear a way to be with your people. If that's a life group, if that's your neighbors, like whatever it is, like care so deeply about people that your heart is so tangled up in there that it's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to figure out a way to get back to my people. And again, it's not a Sunday morning thing. Our goal is not that you make Sunday morning attendance. That's the tongue-in-cheek part of this. Our goal is that truthfully your prayer life would be like, how do I make a way to be with my people again? And that you truly saw your church as your people. Not as a place that you go or a place that you attend or can leave, but literally the gathering of my people. And I just miss them. That's what Paul's saying. He's not looking for a more organized program. He's just looking to be around them. I love it. So he says this. We got the idea that there's beauty in this longing, that there's beauty in the idea of spiritual warfare of others, of finding joy in that, beauty in the making a way. And then finally, we get this picture that There's just this beauty in praying for other people. This is the one that kind of gets me a little bit. That last three verses are really Paul's prayer. It's a prayer, right? He says, this is essentially night and day we pray these things. Earnestly we pray these things. We're saying, we are deeply praying for you night and day. All right? And this is what he prays. Now may the Lord, our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus, make clear the way for us to come to you. May he make your love increase and overflow for each other. And for everyone else, just as ours does for you. May strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God when Jesus comes back again, essentially. So he gives them this thing that he's praying over them. He just prays for them. May your love increase and overflow for each other like ours does for you. May God strengthen you and make you blameless, make you holy as Christ comes back. Like all of these things he's praying for them. So here's what I was asking myself, and I spent a lot of time thinking about it this week, is is what makes Paul love these people so much? I mean, truthfully, he didn't spend that much time with them. He actually went into Thessalonica, preached the gospel. People came to know Christ. He built this church, but he was run out prematurely. He didn't have a chance to return yet. He's only been there the one time. Like, how did he develop such a deep affection for people that he's not spending 24 hours a day with or they're not living under his roof or hasn't developed this deep sort of intensity over all this time? He just loved them so much, and they loved him so much. And it wasn't like they were stranded on an island together or went through some kind of crazy catastrophic thing where they forged their hearts in the crucible of fire together. No, They just loved each other so much. And I just thought, how does that happen? And I only think there's one reasonable explanation. And the reasonable explanation is he prayed deeply and earnestly for them all the time. 
That's the picture that we get in Scripture. That Paul prayed so deeply and earnestly for the people of the church in, in all of his letters, but really what we're looking at is Thessalonica, prayed so deeply and earnestly for them that his heart was sown to theirs. That what the Lord did when he prayed for them was the Lord knit his heart to theirs as he prayed over the people that he cared about. And as he prayed over them, he cared about them more. He even tells us in verse 12, he says, May your love increase and overflow for each other as ours has for you. So as he's prayed for these people by name, who they are, their heartbeats, their lives, their families, God has increased his love for them to a place where it's overflowed. And he's praying that same thing for them. As you pray, and as I've prayed for you, may your love for each other overflow and increase. I thought for a long, long time in my church and ministry life that the way we would get people to love each other is by doing things. Let's do a mission. Let's have a potluck. Let's get everybody together. Let's mix up our life. Like find a way to enforce, develop relationships. And once you do that, then you know that person and then you love them. The truth is it's a great way to know somebody. It's not a great way to love somebody. Because you can very easily just engage on a one Sunday service deal or whatever and be like, hey, I really like that guy. He's nice or that lady's nice or they have a good family. And, and it ends there because that's where it began. But what I really realize as I look at these passages is that true, deep, biblical, shared heart and love comes from a different place. It comes from a place that God moves and instills and develops. And that happens when we begin to pray for one another. Like really pray for one another. God develops this intertwined thing. Paul cared about them. His heart was melted to theirs because he earnestly prayed for them all the time. And so when they hurt, he hurt. When they thrived, he thrived. It's why he could say he really lived when they were doing well. And it's why he can write the church in Corinth when they're struggling and hurting. He says, my heart hurts because you are hurting. He's not being disingenuous. He is being truthful because he has spent so much time laboring for them in prayer that he had sown his heart to theirs in this tangled kind of shared life And so what I began to think about in a practical way is I can stand up here all day and tell you to love people. I can try it myself, right? I want this. I actually long, 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 long to have the relationship that Paul has with people to people here. And we can long for it. And we can try and engage it. And I can try and convince you to come to church, which, again, doesn't really do anything. That's not our goal here. But I just started thinking, what if we engaged in some of these practices together that mattered? It's kind of why we try and challenge everybody to read the Bible together, right? Our Bible reading plan is designed because I don't really care if you like what I have to say every Sunday. I want you to have a love affair with God's Word. Like, I want it to mean so much to you. Like, that is all we care about. Like, God's Word is living and active. It is fully alive. And we want you to have an encounter with it, not with what we say. I don't care if you have any inkling about what I say about God's Word. Read it yourself. Like, know it. Love it. Live it. What if we engage in practices like that together? What if we engage in the practice of praying together for each other? Asking God to fuse our shared hearts. And so I started thinking, okay, how would you do that? Like, what would that look like? Is that possible? Or I just tell everybody, pray for each other. And you're like, for who? What, is that? what do we do? And then, do I, I don't know. But we're going to try. In a practical way, we're going to try. 
because I think it will change the face of our church and will change the face of our community. And so I'm going to ask you to risk a little bit over the next few weeks to engage in something with us. And you don't have to. It's totally optional. But I'm going to ask you if you would consider it. We're going to try something different. And we're going to try and take a practical turn on a piece of text that I think should change us. We're calling it the Advent Prayer Campaign. And in your chair, there's a little piece of paper right here. Nothing fancy. Just a little piece of paper. Now, the reason this is optional is because I don't want you to be here the first time being like, dude, these people are weird and they're making fun of name on a piece of paper or whatever. Like. But here's what we're going to ask. If you're willing to come worship with us over the next six weeks as we go into Advent or whatever, or just consider this place part of where you're going to experience, would you consider letting other people pray for you and praying for other people specifically? Would you honestly be open to engaging your heart that way? Now, this isn't going to be something that we, we invite everybody into. It's only for those that are saying, I want to do it. I'll put my name out there to pray for people, but I'm also going to be prayed for. It's a, I'm going to give, and I'm willing to be a part of deal. And so what we thought we'd do is over the next two weeks, this Sunday and next Sunday, Brandon, I would ask you to take this and think about it. We'll be willing to put our family's name on a list, essentially a prayer list, all of our names, with possibly something, you don't have to put something down that you'd like to be prayed for. Maybe you just want us to pray for your family or whatever. That I would ask those other people in the church to pray for me as I pray for them. Would I be willing to be risen? It's not something we're going to publish or whatever. In fact, the only way you can get this list that we're going to put together is if you put your name on this sheet. So we're not going to pass it out to everybody. We're only going to pass it out to those who want to engage because we want to trust your privacy and all those kind of things. But what if for just a season we said, I'm going to care so deeply about the beauty of praying for other people that I'm willing to be prayed for and I'm willing to pray for other people. And we committed on a daily basis or whatever that looks like for your family rhythms, like every other day or at your dinner table or whatever, however you want to break it up, to pray for people by name in our own congregation, in our own community specifically. And so what we're going to do is we're going to collect these sheets today. We'll put them out on Realm you're going to email it into us, and next Sunday, and over that week of Thanksgiving, Brandon and I are going to compile a prayer list of sorts with your family's name and anything you'd like us to pray for. And we're going to email them to everybody in our church that has partic- is participating. So it's not going to go out to everybody, but if you're participating, you're going to get the list. We'll have your name on it. We'll either email it to you or give it to you when you're here. And we're going to ask you for those four weeks of Advent on a daily, weekly, or other everyday basis, whatever it is for your family, to pray specifically by name, for those people. And then over the course of Advent, we're going to ask you to do a few other things, like reach out to them, tell them you're praying for them, tell them you love them, ask them how they're doing. Using Realm as a tool, because anybody that's on Realm, you can actually message on there, just saying how you're doing. We're going to challenge you during Advent to do a few different things, not that anything crazy, but the first step is saying, would I ever really engage in prayer this way? And maybe some of you are better than I am, and you are literally praying for everybody in this church by name. And we try as elders, we really try. We've broken up the list, we pray for people all the time, but it's not a daily or a weekly habitual thing all the time, but we want it to be. And so what I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider as we go into communion this morning is, would I be willing to engage in a process like this just for a little bit to actually try what Paul is saying, which is, I want to earnestly pray for the people in this community that they may love each other and their love may increase as God increases my love for them. And I think what we're going to experience is something remarkable, that as we pray specifically for people, as our families pray for each other, I think we're going to find our hearts being closer connected. They're going to find that beauty of that shared heart that says, man, I've been praying for 
the loonies or for the rocks or for whoever every Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or every day for four weeks. And when I see them at church, I get to go, man, we've been praying for you or how are you guys or we've been praying for your kids or whatever it is. Like I'm now tied up a little bit in how things are going for you. And again, I'm not asking you to write your deepest secrets under these optional. In fact, that would probably not be our best move. But anything like you have going on, pray for our kids or this or we're kind of asking the Lord for this or struggling with this or just whatever. If it doesn't make sense, that's okay. We'll figure it out. But we want to try it. And so we're going to ask you to fill it out. You can leave it in the offering box or leave it with us. Or you can email Brandon or myself or bring it next week. We'll collect it next week also. All that to say, we're going to try and get real practical and just see what happens. And the great thing about our church is that we are small enough to where we can really engage in this thing and care enough about each other to where we're not numbers. They're people and heartbeats and lives and it just matters. And what matters to the Lord should matter to us. And there truly is beauty in this idea of shared life and hearts. Beauty in the longing. Beauty in caring about the spiritual well-being of others. Beauty in asking God to make a way for you to return to your people whenever you miss, whenever you're gone. And actually the beauty in praying deeply for people so that God will increase your love for them and their love for you. This is how Paul, I think, deeply grew his love for his communities. And it's a picture of this table that we have, truthfully, this thing we celebrate called communion. It's a picture of great love. I mean, if if communion is anything, it's a reminder of the great love the Father had for us through his Son. This is the picture of that incredible, incredible sacrificial love. And it's a gift that we were given as believers, handed down from the Lord Jesus himself, as a reminder of this deep expression of what true love looks like. It is something that the entire church celebrates, not just ours together, as a reminder of that deep sacrificial love of the things that matter to Christ should matter to us, but more so that he gave his life so that we would know him. The Bible tells us that when we take communion, we should take it seriously. We should examine our own hearts. We don't step into this lightly because it just matters. And it is a picture of God's redemptive and saving love through Jesus Christ. On that very night that Jesus was betrayed, on the night that his friends, disciples, everybody he knew would abandon him and flee, on that very night that he would be handed over and arrested and then the next day put on a sham of a trial, ultimately crucified, on that night, after having a meal, he gathered with his disciples and he took a loaf of bread and he gave thanks and he said, this bread is my body broken for you. And after he'd taken the bread, he took the cup and he said, This cup is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. This is the new covenant poured out for you. The new covenant that we have talked about so deeply in our study of Hebrews. That as long as we take of this bread and this cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death and resurrection until he comes again. This table is not a denominational table. It's open to all who profess faith in Jesus Christ. Meaning that if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you've surrendered your heart to him, this table is for you as a reminder of what he's done and a promise of what's to come. We take communion by means of intinction, which means as you come forward, there'll be a station down here. One in the back, you take a piece of bread, you dip in the cup and you eat and return to your seat. We're going to invite you as you return to your seat to remain standing and we're going to close our time together in worship. But invite our elders to come forward as our servers this morning. And let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to gather here to celebrate all that you have for us and to, as a reminder of what the beauty of a shared heart truly looks like. 
that we should have this deep longing for one another the same way that you long for us. Lord, we ask that these things would resonate in us deeply, that they would matter to us the same way they mattered to you. Lord, we ask that you would teach our hearts through this meal. We ask that you would renew our and steadfast our soul as we just put our anchor into the fact that you loved us so much that you gave the life of your son so that we might know you, that we would examine our hearts and that our expression would be worship and that we get to do this together as a community and in truth. So Lord, as we celebrate this meal, resonate it with our hearts and draw us and knit us together in Christ's name. Amen. As you feel called and led, please come share this meal. We do have gluten-free Jesus down here. So uh, go to Brandon. He'll take care of you. But come be a part of this celebration. There's a station in the back, and then remain standing, and we'll worship the Lord together.
pray together. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity just to share in this time and this meal together, Lord. We thank you that this is a picture of what true community looks like. Gather together, partaking in the blood and the resurrection of Christ, Lord. We celebrate that this idea is one that was given to you for us, for the nurture and the reminder of the incredible things that you have done on the cross, but for the building of the community, that we may see what we hold together Lord, and how you've drawn us as one people from all walks of life and backgrounds and stories and histories to one unified place, that is Jesus, that we love because Christ first loved us. And Paul's prayer that our love may increase and overflow, Lord, could not be truer. Lord, I pray that same truth over all of us, that our love for each other may increase and overflow, Lord, as Christ loves his church. So, Lord, as we close our last moments in worship and sing one more song together, I pray that you would knit our hearts together, reminding us of the beauty of shared hearts and the beauty of shared life, and that we are not alone, that we stand unified as a community held together by the blood and the resurrection of Jesus, our Savior and our Redeemer. Hear our closing worship this morning, Lord, as a proclamation of who you are and who we are in you.
Amen. Uh, as a couple of reminders, um, one, we do want you to consider being a part of this with us. So if you want to fill it out today and leave it in your chair back there, we're going to start compiling those. You can always do it next week or take it home or email it to us. But we'd love to be part of this Advent prayer campaign with us. And we'll just see what the Lord does. We'll just, we'll just see. We'll trust and see. Next week, we're going to be collecting these pledge cards to be part of our community. Take this home, pray over it, look at what that might be like. Bring it back next week. If you're not going to be here next week, again, you can email it in or drop it off now. That's just fine. And then finally, Rhonda left these sheets out after thanks, or for Thanksgiving. Look at this Look this over. Is there a place you can serve, a way that you can give on that morning to be a part of loving this city and the community around us? Um, that being said, directly after this, we're going to celebrate and eat together. We've got a big potluck and spread out there. So if you're willing, if you'll help us pick the stuff up out of the chairs, stack them in the back, and then we've got some round tables we're going to wheel in. But if you're willing to stick around and help us uh, do that, but no matter what, stick around and eat. Be with these people. But go from this place empowered by the Holy Spirit to not just attend, but to truly share your heart and life. And let's see what the Lord does as he shows us the beauty of shared life. Go in peace.